Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. First of all, it's when the lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. From the Pink Seats Podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. Welcome into another episode of From the Pink Seats Podcast, the first spring football episode of the the podcast here. Uh, It's crazy to think that we're in football season, but for the next couple of weeks, we can say that and we can pretend that basketball is not happening. March Madness, all that stuff. Who cares when you got Sat Daddy with the train rolling? Cardinal (laughs) Stadium, spring football is going back on. I'm your host, Jacob Lane, rolling alongside of me tonight, Vincent LaCoco. No Matt McGavick because there's apparently other sports happening. You know, there's a conference tournament happening starting tomorrow. It is football season year-round. It never it never stops. I mean, yeah, basketball and baseball and stuff starting in there. And, you know, it looks to be we have a decent baseball team. So, you know, we got some stuff to root for now. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And it's definitely keeping Mr. McGavick uh, uh, busy for sure. But, hey, before we jump into this, let's start with a couple of housekeeping things here. Um, we've got a great show. We're going to dive into spring football. Uh, Vince, I'm I'm really looking forward. We did a spring football um, kind of look ahead last year, which I'm sure you're probably in your feels a little bit this week, uh, knowing that spring football was the, you know, the kind of parting of ways of your coaching career into the professional world. But um, I'm really excited to get your insight on spring football because I find it to be, you know, the 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 camp battles and what really happens on the field with, with the fundamentals and then scrimmages and stuff like that. You've, you've been through a number of different spring practices could provide some good insight that Matt and I just didn't have last year. So looking forward to that. Uh, of course, be sure to follow the the podcast on Twitter at pink seats pod, give uh, Vince here a good follow and you can get more of this beautiful face that I get to look at tonight. The beard's looking fresh, my man, the beard is looking good. Thank you. Um, and then here's this. We, we kind of teased this at the end of the last episode that we did with Lottie Stockwell, which if you have not heard that episode yet, please go back, subscribe to From the Pink Seeds podcast, anywhere you get your podcast from, and listen, because it is easily the most fascinating episode we've done. We've talked a lot of football on this show, but that was uh, just an excellent um couple of hours of just talking about you know, what it looks like to, to put the show on, because at the end of the day, it's a show, right? It, it was wild hearing all the... I mean, I knew a little bit of what went on because I was one of the grunt guys that went into, you know, game prep and things like that. But, you know, I didn't know what went on with the alley, the Adidas deal and stuff. I just see a new pair of shoes in my locker on game day or whatever. And I'm like, oh, sweet. So I didn't know any of the backstory and stuff. You guys definitely need to get that one. And and she's awesome. Lottie's a Lottie's a great person to be having in our university. Yeah, we definitely had a good time. And so we teased at the end of the episode, uh, we don't know when the next episode is going to be. This is not the eighth part of the eight-part series. I I hate to disappoint you, but this isn't it. If you came here looking for that, not it. But hey, next week, we're going to be joined by the head football coach himself, Scott Satterfield, for the first time on From the Pink Seats podcast. He'll join Vince and Matt and myself to talk all things Louisville football Really excited to talk with him and get to know him a little bit. We've had several coaches on throughout the, the year and a half of doing the show, but obviously this will be the first time we've gotten sat on. So really excited to 
to talk to him. And of course, I'm going to be looking for some embarrassing stories. So I'm just going to go ahead and get that out there. If you need to maybe send a couple of texts, tell some guys, hey, you know, send them through the back channels to not let Sat embarrass me. You might want to go ahead and do that because we will be looking for the for the stories of, you know, maybe there's a story of like Tom Brady. You didn't know what down it was and you got chewed out in the middle of practice. I'm sure there's something like that. Yeah, oh, you, you, I'm sure you could hear uh, – you're, you're going to – if you ask that about me signaling during practice, especially that uh, 2019 season, whenever I first started doing it, and it's me and Zeb Spear over there, and he's teaching me the ropes and everything, get, you'll, you'll probably hear some stories about that. So. Yeah, well, I'm excited to get into that. And, of course, as part of what this series has been, we're going to – you know, I know Scott Satterfield has talked a lot about last season, but um, I think what we're going to bring to the table is a little bit different, more casual, chill conversation versus maybe some of the media stuff. So excited to really be able to have a, an exciting conversation with Sat. Like I said, man, talk some Louisville football. So there's that. We'll also later on in the week, we're going to be joined by uh, Reggie Bonifon. We teased that last week on Twitter. We had some scheduling issues that came up, uh, but we are going to be joined by Reggie Bonifon this week. And I, I'm going to knock on wood because I say yeah. that promoting it. And then we're going to get a text as soon as we get over here that says, hey, man, we got to push it. Back. I, I let the cat out of the bag on this one. Uh, Re- Reggie had a child last week. So our schedule is yeah, slightly more important than coming yeah, on the podcast. Yeah. Just, yeah, we're so by a smidge. Yeah, kind of important. He might have some things to do, but, you know, if we can squeeze Reggie in on Friday, it sounds like right now he's game, but Jake, do it. is anybody else this time right now, a week or two out from having a child? I'm sure, I'm sure it's pretty rough. That, you know, it depends. You never know. Uh, rough can is subjective, I'll say. Rough <laughs> can be one thing to somebody else that it isn't to another. So, uh, but we've got a lot of great content. It is the off season. It is spring football, which we're getting ready to talk about here shortly, but it is the off season. We're not stopping here. Content all summer long. So now let's, let's do what we came here to do and talk some spring football. First of all, let's talk about Jack Bicknell. I think that's the first point where we got to start here. Yeah, not so good. Not so good, especially considering I listened to Scott Satterfield um, do a, you know some media availability on Monday with the loudest lawnmower in the background that I've ever heard. I asked Matt what was going on, man. Were they doing the field maintenance? And he he gave me a slight eye roll uh, and didn't say much else after that. And I, I got the gist of it. But we got some interesting insight uh, into the first day of spring and just the program being back out there, everybody all together at once. Camaraderie. That was what Scott Tyrefield called it. The staff and the players. Camaraderie everybody's gelling and then just less than 24 hours later, your offensive line coaches uh, leaving for North Carolina events. What are your thoughts, man? Oh, I, I'm honestly, Jacob, I'm beyond frustrated with that. And, uh, you know, I'm not frustrated that Vic left to go somewhere else. That happens in this profession that people leave to go pick up and leave their, move their whole families to go somewhere else. You know, coach Satterfield had a senior in high school when he pulled his kids out from App state. Yeah. What I don't like about this is the lateral move. Yeah, it makes no sense. Dick is not getting a OC. He's not getting anything. But, you know, whatever. If you want to go have mediocre football over UNC, go have it. Yeah, man. I mean, you got to be frustrated with it. Look, the professional in, in me gets it, right? Like, you get a job, you take it, right? If it's an opportunity, even if it's not necessarily a step up, if it's a, if it's better for your family, I get it. But, look, when you're Jack Pick now – this is now his, what, third job in three years? This is a guy who last year in spring football made one of the silliest comments I think I've ever heard talking about his days at Auburn and how he didn't think there was any chance they were going to lose their job because of COVID and ended up, sure enough, losing his job because of the performance of the coaching staff. So, like, I, I just 
I just don't quite understand what the move is here. Uh, Jack Bignell would possibly have been uh, one of the most talked about position coaches this year, which I know like that's not a huge thing to him, but like his unit was, we're going to get into what group are you most confident in? And I'm still really confident in the offensive line, but I think we were both probably going to lean towards that group because I I, I don't get it. This was, you know, looking at Louisville O-lines, we haven't really had that consistent an O-line until last year. Even when Lamar was here, it was always missing pieces here and there. Uh, you know, this this could be your best O-line since, you know, Eric Wood and all those guys or even Jamon Brown and all them. So it it's really baffling why Bick decided to make, a again, a lateral move. It's very not lateral. Pay rate. He might be getting a pay raise. Seems like he's that type of guy that – go somewhere for money just yeah at this point right and let me just throw this out there and i'm not trying to create any kind of scenarios but i'm just trying to think through potentially what his thinking was and you know obviously there was the whole scuttlebutt with with whether or not scott satterfield was going to be retained he was retained there's a lot of unhappy fans obviously scott satterfield like lottie said has had a baller off season like there's no denying that but maybe jack said Hey, I'm not 100% sure in Sats job security and what my long-term standing is in Louisville. Maybe I need to kind of go ahead and get out of there. But hey, Jack, you could have done that 6 months ago, 4 months ago. Like yeah, yeah, the, the coaching convention was last month. You know, that's usually when you start seeing jobs come, you know, oh, I'm leaving to go here or yeah. blah 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 or people are getting hired and stuff. This is not the right time. Th- think about this, people. When Dwayne Ledford left, it was during spring football. But Dwayne Ledford left to go take the Falcons' offensive line job. Right. Nick Caldwell left during spring football. But he left to go be the offensive line coach at App State. Two people right there, great examples, that left to better themselves and their, and their families. This one doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and again, it could be subjective, you know, whether or not we think it's a, a lateral move versus what, you know, maybe, who knows, maybe Mac Brown is his yacht buddy and they've been golfing at the country club over there in North Carolina, you know, just ho-dunking it all the way through through the backwoods of North Carolina together. Maybe that's what they want to do and ri- retire and, you know, ride off into the, the Wilmington Beach area uh, sunset for retirement. Who knows? I don't know, but it's a really shitty move considering what Caleb Chandler tweeted uh, about you, you told me to come back. You, you talked me into coming back. Um, and I think the lesson there is, and I'll let you speak on this since you're, you're boys with a lot of these guys and you've seen what tough decisions like this look like. But my, my thing, my advice would be to all the players, if you're listening to this, don't worry what a coach tells you, get your own. Like you're, that guy in this, in this day and age in college football, I think it was Trevion Cooley who tweeted, it's a business. I mean, I know you say that about professional sports, but, but players are getting paid. Coaches are getting buku dollars to move all over the country whenever they want for whatever job. It, there's no end in coaching dollars. Uh, and from now on, I, I would just tell the players, don't worry what a coach says. If you want to go pro, go pro. If you want to stay, stay. Uh, don't listen to somebody who can be here today, gone tomorrow. Well, I wouldn't, you know, when you go pro, that that's a gray area where, you know, I wouldn't necessarily listen to my, I'd listen to my coach definitely because he has the insight on what I, what I personally would need to improve on. But I mean, there's plenty of other people out there where you can get other, you know, right. on stuff and, you know. Yeah. Uh, and if you're, if you're Caleb Chandler and it's close. Jair, when Jair Alexander went up to go tell Bobby that he was, uh, you know, going to declare for the draft and not playing the bowl game. You know, I was told from other people, other players and stuff that by the time he got down the stairs, that his locker was cleared out, you know? So it's like the loyalty and the respect and stuff, you know, it's, 
Yeah, and, and you I think were, yeah. Jacob, where guys were hurt, like Caleb, it's it's just because it was a lateral move. Like nobody, I don't right. think any of them were really hurt when Led left. I mean, yeah, it hurt because Led's a good dude and he's a hell of a ball coach. Well, besides the fact that he recruited the majority of them, but exactly. Vignal doesn't have the ability to say that. Exactly. Yeah, he has one recruiting player from these guys. And, you know, I, I really feel for a guy yeah. like that. <laughs> poor Max, poor yeah. Max Cabana, man. Max Cabana shows up to, to campus, <laughs> ready to go. First day, coach, I'm ready to get started at practice. Little baby offensive lineman. Day two, he shows up, and his coach has bolted. And you're just like. I just want to know when Vic was doing this interview process. Did, did you go? When, at what point during the week did you go up to North Carolina? I mean, because you were. I mean, hey, look, this this could be the interview process. I've interviewed for jobs now virtually. That's the thing. You could literally sneak into the bathroom and do an interview if you want. Like it's just as inconspicuous as hitting a vape pen or something. You can just sneak off and hide and do what you want. But I will say, you have Cole Bentley and you got other people on social media campaigning for it. I am right there behind it. Nick Carwell needs to be the offensive line coach. These guys wanted him after Led left to be the line coach. I, I, Coach Carwell, I promise y'all, you all just see the fireness and the wild. And it's like that 24-7. Like that yeah. dude, energy, juice, you will get – that's why I said you'll get the best Marshawn Ford this year. This, yeah, this, I believe that. Ford's best year. This would be a very ferocious O-line that you would see finishing people like no other. All right, before we move on, I, I want to push back a little bit on that. I'm all for the players recommending a, a coach and uh, standing in support of that. But uh, if the opportunity is out there to go get a guy who's maybe been on an NFL on an NFL staff and has been let go or there's been a transition or, you know, maybe there's an offensive line coach around college football like Vic who's been a journeyman who is an SEC guy and can develop talent. Maybe there's a better option out there that's not Nick Cardwell just because everyone says that. Like, I just want to pump the brakes on players uh, pulling the LeBron James and saying, hey, I know what's best for the team. Uh, And then their team being under 500 with just a few weeks left before the season starts in the tweet that says, hey, judge me and my peers based off of what happens on the court is uh, subsequently deleted. So we don't want that, right? That that they did win a championship in the bubble. Okay. I am a LeBron guy, Jacob. I'm... Look, LeBron James is the, the reason why you don't uh, let players become general managers uh, in the middle of you know. There's people who do that for a reason. Yeah, I, agree I digress. There could be there could be a better option out there, you know. And I I wouldn't be I, I would obviously be searching for an O line coach. And I'd want to find an O line coach, but if I can't narrow down that guy, that exact guy, I wouldn't be sweating it. You can easily, I feel like, pick a tight end coach from somebody or find a tight end coach somewhere and feel e- much easier to fill that role opposed to having somebody else come in and have to learn a whole new offense and yeah. things yeah, like that. No doubt. No. I mean, I'm I, right there with you. If Dwayne Leffert wants to come back from the Falcons, I'm all for it. Well, hell yeah. I don't <laughs> think anybody's going to stop him from coming back. But I also kind of just talked myself into Nick Cardwell could be the guy for a year. And then, you know, you go out and you hire maybe a splashy offensive line coach next year. Okay, let's move into spring football now. Uh, a lot of things happen in here. Um, they are in day three of practice now. Um, we've gotten to hear from Sat. Like I said, we've gotten to hear from a couple of the players. And obviously, uh, these guys are hungry to get back out there to kind of prove that last year uh, was not what they really are and that this is the year that the team could maybe peak and get to that eight, nine, maybe even 10. I don't think that's unrealistic. Maybe. I don't know. The ACC is better, but we'll see. We'll get there. Uh, but maybe, you know, they're hungry to get back out there on the field and really start working towards improvement. We've talked about it for the last couple of weeks. There's injuries galore. There's still transfers and players, you know, from the, the, the freshman class that are not there yet. 
So this is really kind of a um, different type of spring where it's not everybody's here, everybody's healthy, ready to go. There's injuries a lot of places. I'm kind of, Jacob, I, to be honest with you, I'm, I mean, I, you hate seeing people get hurt, but you know, it's ass having Monty go out against UCF and things like that, Cottrell getting hurt and everything. But I think having this many guys hurt will, you know, play in our favor just by the amount of reps these young guys are going to get. I mean, it, it, it's going to be pivotal, pivotal yeah. for them to, you know, get up to speed. And playing at that college level does take a minute. Guys like, you know, who you didn't see last year, Derek Edwards and – you know, I'm blanking right there. I knew Derek. Yeah, and no, Rance, yeah, Rance Connor, Josh Minkins, uh, you know, Mark Williams, Trey Franklin. I mean, there's a ton of guys out there. Yeah, Josh Minkins was a guy, you know, I gave him a lot of crap after the Air Force game because he got juked out of his shoes. But he's a kid that you could tell really needed a offseason to improve, to get his body back together and everything after his injury and stuff. So, spring ball is a wild time, Jacob. It's uh, – yeah. So tell me, tell me how one you gear up for spring football. What kind of the ramp up is to get back into that football mode, and then what's that first couple of days of, of practice like? I assume it's mostly drills, probably not a lot of hitting, tackling, anything like that. What well, take me through what a typical day in spring football to start looks like? So just like leading up to spring football, you're you're bulking, you're gaining your weight because it's nothing but weight training and conditioning at that point. Okay, all right, I'm in bulking season. I like it. I like right. it. I'm always in bulking season. Okay. All right. They do something called PLPs, player-led practice, which, I mean, is in fact not a player-led practice. It's just an hour of drill work with no football. So what the coaches like to do is they integrate what they would be doing in their position drills during that hour-long period just with no football. And so a lot of these guys already kind of have an idea of what they're going to be doing at practice before they even get out there and do it, which is like a – which is awesome. And I believe every team in the country does some form of a PLP, Matt Drill. We did one with Coach Petrino called Matt Drills. So you start off with that. So the first however many periods, five, ten periods, is going to be just like your individual stuff. You're going to be working on a lot of fundamentals. Things are, you know, it might seem a little bit slower for an old head, a fifth-year guy, like, oh, man, fourth spring, and here we are. I'm learning how to get, you know, do a get-off or dip and rip again or whatever. So it's 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 really a good time to work on the fun. Like last year, that's what we worked on was our turnovers on both sides of the ball. We dedicated two to three periods where we would uh, bring the offense and the defense together, and we just do fumbling drills where somebody be punching the ball out, ripping the ball out, things like that, fighting for interceptions. And it, it's really the time period where you take all that stuff, you have all, everything down on a whiteboard of all things you need to work on. And you start picking stuff. We're going to work on this today, this today, this today, this today. And you narrow, you hone in on your bread and butter stuff too. You know, that's why spring ball, you're probably spring game. Y'all surprise, surprise. It's probably going to just be outside zone, inside zone. You're going to be very disappointed if you expect some flashy, crazy stuff, especially with it being on ACC network. And, uh, yeah, don't, you don't want to give away this. Don't give away the goodies hat. Well, let's hold on to the goodies. Hang on to those. Yeah, keep keep your bag in the back pocket. Give them a little bit. But uh, my favorite thing about spring ball is Saturdays and my game day. You know, whenever you do have pads on and stuff, so I mean, you got something to look forward to. And you know, spring ball can really be a drag on these guys, Jacob. I mean, it, just because you're not prepping for anybody, it's constantly just beating each other down, constantly beating each other down. 
you know, I'm, I'm excited for these guys. Like I said, there's going to be a lot of young guys getting a lot of reps. Spring ball, though, I mean, it's, it's just practice, man. It's just you get out there for two hours and, and you just practice. Yeah, but those reps, I mean, I'm sure each rep to the coaches, you know, they, they obviously matter. There's they're, You're you're pressed for time no matter how long practices are. Actually, I wouldn't, I, you're pressed for time, but you're not really, you know, stressing for it. If there's an early enrollee freshman and – you know, uh, control Clark's doing footwork perfectly on something. Uh, you know, they might bring the GA or somebody over and be like, here, you watch pool. We'll pull Derek Edwards, for example. Hey, Derek, come over here and watch control and then come over here and do it with me on the side. You get a little bit more one-on-one time to kind of just really work on the fundamental. Ring ball is a mm-hmm. fundamental time. It's a time to hone in on bread and butter plays and, you know, just really just sharpen your tools. Yeah, and, and one thing that's really kind of interesting to note here with the fact that you had the, you know, you, you had spring football in 2020 in the COVID year, but um, it, was it abbreviated? Am I, am I remembering incorrectly, or did y'all get all the way through? Yeah, you're, you're correct. I, you know, I, I'll never forget it. I'm up there uh, in the office with Zeb Spirit and uh, my buddy Landon Rice, who was a, another student assistant with me on the offensive side, and, you know, Zeb's like, Oh man, there's this disease in China. They're talking about shutting down the Derby. Like, man, I'm like, man, get your North Carolina ass up out of here. <laughs> Nothing. That's literally like, I mean, come on, y'all. I'm from Louisville. You're not gonna shut down the Derby. And I mean, sure enough, we go on spring break. And I'm worried about getting stuck out in California with my buddy. Hey, <laughs> I mean, that's you could get yeah. stuck in a lot worse places. That's yeah, it sure. wasn't abbreviated. It wasn't abbreviated spring ball. I'll never forget leaving for spring break that Friday. Yeah. yeah, so point being, those guys in 2020, they didn't get that full experience. And 2021 had spring football last year. Um, but, you know, again, you're you're trying to kind of bounce back from COVID. You're working from behind. And so here we are two years later, and this is kind of like the first probably normal spring football where you're back in the rhythm where you were in 2019 when you first started. And, and you have an experienced group that you can really – you're not, you're not, I know they had a lot of young guys last year, but you're not putting in installs this year. You're, you're, I would assume you're working on fundamentals and, and taking what you know and improving on it in every sense of the way. Well, you, you always install. I mean, like you, you'll, they'll, Malik's hearing the same first install one that he's probably heard for three years now. Right, but what I'm but the majority of those guys, okay, you have your Tyler Hudson's, your Ty and Evans. They, like you mentioned before, this is them just like, damn, we're doing this again. Yeah, like, exactly. You're doing this, like, right? But that's this year though, with with the the sense of urgency, I would imagine there's more fire there. And that's I, I didn't even think about it like that. Like 2019 was just a straight, you know, and I was learning. Shoot, I was a player. I was trying to make get a scholarship and not tear my ACL and be, get on the field. Right. I, it, it's funny. I never thought about it like that. 2020, we got shut down, didn't have a spring ball. And last year was us trying to get everything back to normal. Right. You know, do all the right. team stuff that everybody sees us do that is extremely important for these guys. That, that mm-hmm. gel, that hangout time that you get with not just your boys, but the coaches. You know, it, it, a lot of times – Believe it or not, teams a lot of teams don't see their coaches like that. They're it's just Coach Jacob or Coach Vince. You know, it's not right. hey, Coach, I need to talk to you about this or right. hey, you know. And that's where that stuff is developed, and that's where I think this staff has a little bit of an advantage on a lot of people. They talked about that being their advantage in years past, and they still do. And you know, I, I, I'm a firm believer in that. 
that. So, yeah. So you, you look at the offense this year. So let's start there here as we dive into kind of the, the meat of the show, you look at the offense and let's start with uh, the, the position you feel the strongest with. We talked about, we've talked a lot about the weaknesses last year and where the strengths lie for me, you know, despite the fact that Jack Bicknell um, is not coming back, you know, obviously that leaves a lot up in the air. What you what you have on the offensive line now, outside of Malik Cunningham, he's one guy. So I, I obviously I feel confident about quarterback. But when yeah. you look at a group, I feel the offensive line this year has the chance to get back to the offensive lines that we saw in the Bobby days, the Maulers, the absolute you are not getting through here and you are not touching our quarterback. Uh, last year, we saw them take a big step forward. Obviously, they they lose Cole Bentley at center, but you bring Brian Hudson in to be a full-time starter, who I thought was one of the top five offensive linemen last year. Uh, at this point, it's optimization. You've got guys who can fit in every spot. It's about figuring out the right spot. And to me, right, to me, the pressure is on the right side of the line this year. Renato Brown and uh and adonis boone michael gonzalez is creeping on their heels luke kandra is creeping on their heels i want to see this spring how that battle works out and what that looks like is renato brown moved inside to guard he's a big guy he could play that guard kind of smaller spot put michael gonzalez out at right tackle i think there's going to be some movement and shaking here and that's what's so fun about this group there are at least 10 guys who can play oh easily there's 10 guys that can play, and I, I, I think they're all damn good guys, too, you know, and I, I'm with you with, you know, that right side. I think that's your weak link, and I, Jacob, I, I don't know. I'm not 100% sold on Trevor Reed, either. Yeah, no, you know, I can totally see that. He was spotty a lot last year. I mean, doing a backflip and all, that that's cute and all, but shit, how can you block, how can you block an headlock? <laughs> That's what I care about. Hey, now, but, uh, can you imagine if he just did a backflip and then you know got back in his stance and was just ready to go? Like he'd be like, "Oh, that's why he does the backflip." That makes hey, sense. If he did that. I quit. I'd never watch a football game. So <laughs> I'm done. I'm confident. The position I'm the most confident with going into the spring. You know, I could say oh, line. Yeah, everybody would probably pick me to, to say wide receivers, but I, I'm actually going to go with the running backs. I love this running back. I think we have a three-headed monster with uh, Cooley, Jay Mitch, and uh, Tion Evans. I'm extremely excited to see Evans on the field. That kid is built, and from those clips that I've seen of him, he can run, and he runs hard. Cooley, I think Cooley has the potential to be either the best back in the room or the second best back in the room. And I feel like Jalen Mitchell's role could potentially get reduced to just a third down short yardage guy. But at the same time, I'm extremely confident with him in the game at all times. I don't think he's going to break a 60-yard run. You know, we've seen that, obviously. <laughs> My guy's no. breakaway, breakaway speed ain't all there, but. What I, do you think about this, though? What do you think about this, right? So say, okay, here, let me first off say this. I, until they take the field on that first game and Travion Cooley is in a Louisville uniform, I don't feel comfortable about him being a Louisville Cardinal. Like, I, I've, I'm, I'm not going to deny. I know it's social media fodder. But uh, either his brother is at NC State or going to NC State. We've heard kind of these mummerings about him being maybe a little homesick. I, until I see him on the field, I, I'm can, I'm not sure he's going to be here. Like I, I'm not saying he's leaving, but I just am not 100 percent sure. Yeah, um, I can see. I can see why you say that. 100%. His cryptic. He's very cryptic. When he's- I, I get it. I get it. And he's a he's a college kid. I was. Is uh, 
was the picture he posted to Malik with with him saying uh, we could have been superstars, and everybody yeah up in arms like, oh my god, he's transferring. This was it right here. Cool, he's in the portal, and then yeah, no, it's just realistically he can't put. He can't put the next. He can't put the next line in the song. Is the lyric of the post because <laughs> obviously he can't be like we're out here jacking cars. Like that's not how that works. So you, you know, you're the cryptic back position is going to be really, really good. And the fact that if those three guys uh, are, if Cooley and and Evans are here, and you can take advantage of what you have there, and you have Jawar Jordan, I'm not opposed to saying, hey, Jalen Mitchell, let's put on another 10, 15 pounds and have you turn into our short yard absolute dominant beast like let you be dom brown let you be michael bush i mean i know he's not that tall but put the weight on him and let him become the the, the horse that you rely on in those short yarded situations where you were so bad or even marshawn ford needs to sub every once in a while go in there and run that h spot i i know he's a little bit shorter than marshawn but i mean shoot jalen has all the capability to go in there and throw a block and catch pass or at least one of those arrow routes or a short out or a stop route or something. Yeah, and then we're talking about Scott Satterfield mentioning his availability. He mentioned my favorite two words about the running back group, checkdowns. I've been hollering for a little bit more action. To, like, legit. Here, here's one. Here's a homework assignment for me. That is warranted. Malik's kryptonite, or I, I don't even know what you want to call it. I guess kryptonite. Is he not throwing to the checkdown? Never. Ever. Bro, you ready for me to give you a hot take? What's your hot take? This is is mean, okay, but I'm going to just be realistic. Malik Cunningham's inability to check the football down is why JV and Hawkins got drafted so low, or he didn't even get drafted, right? I've forgotten at this point. That's straight up. You can't be that little and not catch the ball out of the backfield. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, but his quarterback never threw it to him. That's true. I could, I mean, yeah, I, I, I could see that. But I mean, how many how many guys are going into the NFL at what what is he five eight five seven and and being bulldozer running backs? They're short yardage. They are they're, they're they're guys that you can throw the ball to. You can put them in there on third down, the wheel route. You know, yeah. check you know a block and then run a quick route, whatever the case is. And they never utilized him like that. I I think uh, yeah I, I agree. I I wouldn't say that's a hot take to be honest with you. That that could you know be warranted, especially if you go look at the statistics or the film of Malik just not throwing a check down pass and taking off and running. Or yeah. he could be like, man, are they going to count that pass as a rush? I'd hate for them to, you know. Dude, I'm telling you what, the combination of Lance Taylor and Malik focusing on that might get Tyon Evans drafted next year. Like straight up. I mean, he could be a guy that's got 500 yards receiving or like, and that's a bit steep, but like 350 yards receiving, four touchdowns, and then he rushes for 850 yards. I'm excited to see what he brings, or Coach Taylor, that is, what, what he brings to the table with this offensive side. I mean, he's just not going to come in here with nothing. to. It's not just going to be Coach Satterfield's offense all the time now. You know, I expect some, you know, wrinkles and things like that to be in there. Some things to be a little bit different than what I'm used to and what you all are used to. I mean, if we're starting with the check down, that's a good sign in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, look, he had the check down king at Stanford and and uh, Christian McCaffrey. If you can just get one of those backs to just watch the tape on how Christian McCaffrey made plays as a running back catching the football out of the backfield, we're going to be in an all right spot. He's probably looking – he probably turns on film with Malik with just nothing but check down passes to Christian McCaffrey. He's like, do you see how many easy yards you could get? You could have 150 extra yards onto your – Or you know what you do? You just go watch the film of all the other teams doing it to Louisville. Be like, look, you see what, <laughs> you see what these guys did? You just do this and you're going to be all right. All right, what's the position you feel the most unsure about heading into – during spring football here? Offense or defense or both? On off, Still on offense. Uh, oh man. Offense, I mean, I, 
I got to go tight ends, and that, that's yeah. the apex included. Uh, you got Marshawn, and you have, you have Isaac Martin, who I think both are. Isaac is a little bit limited in what he can do. He's just, you know. He, he's, he's just there to run somebody over. That's yeah, all he's Isaac's doing. Isaac's not an age. <laughs> Isaac is, an, is a fullback. But you got those two guys, and I feel extremely confident with them. But the true Y position, you know, I'm going to need Francis Sherman to take a step up. I'm going to need some of these other scholarship players to step up. Des Melton needs to take a step up work on his flexibility. You know, the, the guys are there. The pieces are there. It's just so unproven, and they did so little last year. I, I think Des Melton had two receptions on the year, and one They're of them – Or if he would have just turned and went upfield. Yeah, he had him in the last, like, two games of the year. I mean, they didn't throw him the ball until literally the end of the season. Uh, yeah, Ian Pfeiffer's – he's probably calling Ian Pfeiffer like, how the hell did you get all these balls? <laughs> what did you do? You were an offensive tackle. I got recruited to play tight end. <laughs> You're right. And, and somewhere Satterfield is like, damn it, get Ian on the phone. Does he have any more eligibility or what? It's, it's wild because I think he had another year. He did have another year. Yeah, he could have played his eighth year in college football. Yeah, Pfeiffer's a good dude. <laughs> yeah, um, but you, you're right. I, you know, I hate to be the – we've clearly host this show together. It's very obvious in moments like this because I was tight ends. But I'm going to go – you know, I, maybe I don't believe this, but for the sake of being a contrarian, everyone's talking about the wide receiver group. What I know about Louisville, is, and myself included, is that we buy into hype way too easily – Last year, I was over here talking about Shy Words potentially being one of the best players on, on the team because of his ability to do everything. I had so much hope, more hope for Shy, especially after watching him in the spring, like full healthy, fully healthy. I was like, damn, this dude's going to be, he's not going to be. The yeah. Best. And they right. ended up having like 13 yards on the year. Like, uh, you know, came in with 6,000 career yards and like 38 touchdowns or something like that. But the wide receiver position, look, they've brought in D Wiggins, who on paper is probably an upgrade over Justin Marshall. No, I know he is an upgrade over Justin Marshall. They brought in Tyler Hudson, who is probably an upgrade over Justin Marshall. Um, they, they bring in, you know, uh, a couple of freshmen, Devon Mortimer, um, you know, who knows what that situation looks like from what, what we've seen on, on the, the web there, but there's other guys, Chris Bell, uh, you've got wide receivers all over the place. Plus, not to mention you bring back Tyler Harrell, Amari Huggins, Bruce. But um, I still think we're in the same spot we were last year where there's not a go-to guy. Uh, and obviously, we want Malik to diversify the ball. We want to see him spread the sugar, right? He, we want to see him hit 10 receivers in a game or, you know, because there's so much talent. They go so deep at that position. But you know, I just wonder, what if Tyler Hudson isn't what we thought he was? What if D. Wiggins doesn't become anything more than Justin Marshall? Well, then you're right back in the same spot where you were last year where you have Tyler Harrell. Uh, Tyler Harrell maybe getting a deep ball. We'll see what happens on Malik's accuracy. But, um, I, you know, I want to see somebody develop to become the clear number one. I want the ball when it matters most. I want to be the Des Fitzpatrick. I want to be the 2-2 Atwell. Uh, and then those other guys kind of find their role behind that. And right now I'm not sure that that guy is on the roster, quite honestly. You know, I, I don't know. I just hope these transfer guys, like you said, Jacob, don't turn into, you know, the Roscoe Johnsons. Bro, we don't need another TJ Hall, man. Come on and give me a transfer. Hey, something. Hey, like hey, TJ Hall, did, did you watch him that bowl game when Dorian Etheridge got, got kicked out? Was that the only game he ever played in? I mean. Hey, you're going to play in one game. I'm cool with you doing your job against Mississippi State in the bowl game and getting us a dub. I agree. I'll give you that. And you're talking about people always step up and do random things in bowl games. There's a random name out of a hat for you. TJ Hall. 
I, I want to see Tyler Harrell take that next step, though. Don't just be a deep ball guy. We know you have the speed and all that good stuff, but be an every down guy. There's yeah. no reason you can't get open every pass play. You can't be the Malik's first, like, where's Tyler? Where's Tyler at in the formation before I snap the ball? Yeah. You, know? you, you want to be that guy. Like you said, you you want to get the ball. You want to go score the touchdown. You, you have to want it. And I, being around Tyler and working through with Tyler and, you know, working him through some of those struggles early on, uh, you know, I, I think he's got the right head on his shoulders to take those next steps to be our every down guy, to be our number one go-to. And I'm fired up for Huggins Bruce. I mean, hopefully he doesn't pull another, uh, you know, drop the ball in the end zone. He's never going to outrun that, man. Every time we talk about him, somebody's always going to say that. Uh, I I love Amari to death. I was texting him like two weeks ago, just checking in on him. But I will never let him live that down. You can't be doing that, man. There's been too much film on that. There's too much film on that for you to be doing that. He's a, he's also a freaky winner, so you know how could he ever outrun the freakies? He's got that attached to his name for the rest of his. Oh, wait, and, and uh, speaking of which, how about the the NIL deal for him, man? Signing a deal with Jerry Rice's energy yeah. drink, dude. You talk about big time. How about that? Shout yeah, out to Josh Hurd or whoever helped hook that up, man. That's legit right there. That's huge, and he, I, I don't even know if that's Josh because judging off of Mars Instagram, is he he's boys with like a lot of NFL wide receivers. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I have no idea who did it. Maybe I mean, I've seen him post Debo Samuel before. Debo Samuel, like, repost him. I'm like, damn. Like, that's – Debo, tell him to put up about five more points on my fantasy team. So <laughs> I think the wide receiver group is on paper. It's better. I think they're in the right spot. I think they're going to be overall improved. But um, if we're talking about being nitpicky, I don't think the quarterback position is it. I don't want to agree with you on the tight end. So for me, it's the wide receiver group. All right, let me ask you this last question here. And I had five on paper. Give me Vince's top three players to watch from the offense in the spring. Who are the three guys on your roster sheet that you have circled? I know you're not used to rosters and breaking them down and looking at height and weight numbers and nerds. studying them like us football nerds on the media side. Uh, but but who are the three guys that in your program you're circling and you're saying watch out? Well, Tyler Harrell is one. Okay. I think he needs to have a big spring and honing in on those on things that he needs to work on, short yardage stuff, being able to break routes off. Uh, you know, who else? I'm going to say uh, – uh, Michael Gonzalez on the offensive line is a player to watch because, like you said, he can push for that guard spot. Not so. I'm not sure about tackle. Maybe potentially tackle. Uh, a third one though, man, that's that's hard. Uh, you know, I'm just gonna go that tight end room as a, a not the H back room. I'm gonna say the tight end room as a whole. Like that's you know that's the one that you know you need to watch and they need to have a big spring. Okay. All right. For me, here are the three guys. And look, we could we could pick Malik Cunningham. Like, I'm just not going to do it. Okay. We all know it's extremely important that this spring is his most important because of the fact that he has – this is it. He's got a chance to play in the NFL. He's got a chance to really put up some uh, – potentially put up Lamar Jackson-esque career numbers, go down in the record book. Um, there's a, obviously a lot of improvement on the line for him. Here's my top three players. Number one, Tyler Hudson. I think Tyler Hudson has a chance to be a star, a star. I'm talking um, uh, Jamari Staples. Do you remember him coming in from UAB in 2016? Yeah, I've heard of Jamar. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's who, you know, obviously they don't play the exact same kind of game, but that's just who this kid reminds me of. He handles his business. He goes about handling it, playing football the right way. He's quick. He can jump and go get a football unlike anybody we've seen in a long time. Louisville's not had a jump ball guy. I couldn't tell you the last one that could go up and get a ball in the air. Probably. Who? Since Devontae, probably. Yeah, I was. I, that's who I was thinking in my head, but I always feel like I miss somebody. Um, and and that's right. Somebody who can go up and get a football. So Tyler Hudson is number one for me. I think he's got a chance to really emerge into a special weapon. Number two, this might surprise you, but Christian Peterson and Vic Mullen might be asking yourself, who in the hell are those guys? That's right. That's why they're important. Uh, Vince talked about the tight end position. Look, for me, I think Francis Sherman is a nice piece. Josh Livson, the Livson Hive, I know they exist out there. But these guys I can't be our tight end guys that we're relying on when we're trying to go win an ACC title. We're trying to take the, the next step. Both Vic Mullen and Christian Peterson came in with, with hype. They both came in with, with really, really um, diverse skill sets, the ability to play that H-back role, um, the, the ability to block at the line. I, I want to see Ben Souders get his hands on some of these guys. Stu Holt is out the door. There's a little bit of a, some new uh, fresh blood. I want to see somebody from that room emerge. We've talked a little bit about Des Melton. Um, I don't think we're all convinced that he's a guy who's going to become, you know, anything more than maybe a big catch here or there. So I think that's why Christian Peterson and Vic Mullen are so important this spring. So that's my number two. For number three, Trevion Cooley. I think Trevion Cooley's got a chance to be the guy. Is he going to be here? I don't know. I'm watching his Instagram. I'm checking my song lyric references just to make sure I'm prepared. Well, you know how you keep him here? You feed him the ball about 30 times of practice during spring. You'd be like, That's right. You're the guy. You're the guy. You're the guy. That's right. That's right. So I want to see um I want to see him take that next step and really uh, develop into the go-to back because I think that's the game plan on how you keep him here. He he showed in the bowl game that he can be the guy. Gotta feed him. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna jump away uh and do the little advertising get paid action here before we come back. On the other side, we're gonna look at the defense think there's going to be some improvement i think there is we heard some hot takes from our guys Derek dorsey and tiberius peterson we'll see if we can bring that level of hot take here stay with us we come right back you yeah you enjoying this podcast like sharing global events and news with like-minded individuals love being a part of the global community this podcast is part of a first of its kind podcast network at the state of with daily news and opinions, seven podcasts, webcasts, and more, the State of Louisville is your home for anything and everything Louisville. Check them out at stateoflouisville.com today. All right, defense, not so sexy last year, right? Take a big step back. Um, not, they, not sexy. No, 2020, they were better than the offense. Like, straight up. Uh, all last year, Matt and I talked about um, is this going to be where the offense finally comes back and meets the defense? Well, no, the defense regressed. We're going to see if that 2020 season was a fluke or if that's what they were in last year, injuries and just a lot of the other things off the field, the inability to kind of get guys in the right spots is what makes the difference. Let me start. Let's start here. Same thing we did with the offense. What's the position group you feel the most strong about in spring football this year? Oof, that, that's hard on the defensive side of the ball because you have so much injury all over the place. I mean – you can say corner, but you got Cottrell Clark, who is coming off an ACL injury. You can say inside linebacker, because we just got a Ole Miss transfer and Monty's coming back. But, oh, Monty's rehabbing his knee. Kendrick Duncan didn't play in the bowl game. Is he healthy yet? You know, and 
but I, I'm going to say uh, the safety position is what I feel, you know, the most. That's what I feel safest with saying and not being so hot take-ish. Okay. So that's my just... hot take, but, you know, Kendrick back there, I feel very safe with Kendrick. I, I, I hope he takes a step up in his coverage within uh, about five yards. It's easy for him to cover ground on a deep ball because he's a big safety, long legs, long stride. But I want to see him really get his paws on somebody within a five to ten yard range on like a quick stop, an out route, things like that. Potentially come underneath an, an out route and undercut that. And yeah, I, I just want to see him take that net. I compared him to Josh Harvey Clements the first time I was on this show. And I'm going to stick with that comparison. He is, you know, more like a cable Josh Harvey Clements, I would say. <laughs> As you know, <laughs> but not not in the worst sense. It's just he has a little bit less of a limitation, but he can work on those limitations this offseason to to improve. Yeah, that safety group is interesting because you get Duncan back. You've got Josh Minkins, Jaden Alexander from USC steps into the fold. Um, Shavark Williams is a guy that, you know, saw the field lightly last year. Maybe he's more in the mix this year. And then you've got, you know, um, some of the, the freshmen, does TJ Quinn go back to playing safety, you know, Ben Perry's at the card is, you know, there's all kinds of different things that you can do there. That's a diverse group. Like there's a lot of guys there and they're still looking to grow that room. They've had some transfers on campus this week, man. I was, I didn't believe y'all whenever Ben, Ben Perry, you all, Matt said a while back, like Ben Perry's going to linebacker. And, I mean, there were even, you know, some rumbles of that whenever I was in there. And I'm like, y'all aren't going to move this kid to linebacker. Like, he is a damn good safety. He looks good back there, too. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see him at that spot. Man, All right. So you're feeding right into what I feel the most confident with, and that's the linebacking core, man. You get a healthy Monty Montgomery back. Inside or outside? I'm going both. I'm looping, I'm looping them all together here for the sake of the group. Okay. I know that it's a, it's a different, it's, I, I love how in the three, four, we've gone from calling them linebackers to just edge rushers now. Like that's the listing. Like what position did that guy play at Alabama? Oh, he played edge. Like it's really different too, bro. Cause I mean, if you stood Jack Figo and you see Abdullah next to each other, and be like, all right, which one works in a cubicle office and types on a calculator all day, and which one plays collegiate football? You're, you're going to pick Yasir, but they play the same position, technically the same position, and it's just one's an edge rush specialist and the other is uh, more of a safety plan down in the box. That's right. That's right. So with the linebacking group this year, you obviously have Monty, who is going to be the star. He's going to be what – I really like the way that Eric McClain – a couple weeks ago on the podcast, put it, he's going to be Monty uh, or Yasir's number two, right? They're going to be a tandem like Batman and Robin type of deal. And they're going to really spice up Louisville's pass rush, which is why Derek's point about the, the Derek Dorsey's point about this being a, a, the year the defensive line steps up is, is even more um, of a fun thing to think about. But then you have uh, Momo Sanogo who's going to step in and, and quite frankly, you know, CJ Avery was no scrub, but, uh, he could be an upgrade over CJ Avery. Now that's left to be seen, obviously, but this is a guy that's coming in from Ole Miss, four-year starter, you know, one of the leaders and tackles on that team um, the last couple of years. And so you got to be excited about getting him in there. And then you look at Yasir coming back for year five. Damn it, if you if Yasir Abdullah was one and a half inches taller, man, we're talking about him potentially being a first-round pick. Uh, I still think he's got the chance to really work his way up into maybe the second or third day. The NFL – now is going smaller in some of these positions, and Yasir can can get to the quarterback, right? Leonard Floyd, you know, there's guys out there that are smaller. Yeah. 
that, that's kind of what I, I think of this year as a little bit. Uh, Micah Parsons for the Cowboys can kind of do it all. He can mm-hmm. play and play outside. You know, I have full confidence. I think this year, if he needed to in the NFL, he could easily make that tra- uh, transition into the inside and well, play inside linebacker as well. I don't, I don't mean to keep doing hot takes here. Yasir Abdul is the best player on Mobile's football team, and it's not even close, in my opinion. I mean, Malik's I, really good, but Yasir Abdul I, is the best player on this team. I'd say most consistent. I wouldn't okay. say I, I wouldn't say best. I'm going to go with Malik being our best player. Yeah, I, and more an offensive-minded guy now. My my coaches growing up would kill me for saying that, but uh, yeah, I, I'm going Malik as our best. Player. I, I mean, I can totally. I, it's not like I can be like, "Oh, you're so wrong." We can't have a. I don't know if you saw the video today of Stephen A. Smith and did you, the video of Stephen A. Smith and Mad Dog Russo on ESPN just going back and forth, just no, 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 just arguing with each other for no reason. I'm not going to do that with you here because I can't. Malik Cunningham's really good, but um, then you add in Marvin Dallas. That did you, did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, I don't need to say it. you know what it is. Uh, eventually, we're gonna make we're gonna get. I'm telling you, we're gonna blow this up to where Marvin Dallas is gonna eventually nil himself into a deal with our concept, and that's fine. I'm all for it. Uh, but you add him into the mix full time now as a starter. Ben Perry comes in as the backup. Ben Perry is an upgrade over Jack Fago from a physical standpoint. Mentally, you know the defense. He's not there yet, but hopefully with a, a big spring. We'll get to that in a second on the most important players, but Ben Perry has the chance to really uh, become a, an impact player there. And then look, you get guys like um, uh, Cam Wilson, who hasn't played much, um, was the the top recruit in 2019. You get him healthy. Um, you get guys like Popeye Williams on the field. Selah Brown has been talked about as a potential edge rusher. So you really, you know, depending on where they end up lining these guys up. And, and again, we're looking at linebackers holistically, edge and inside. I think the linebacking group is going to be uh, the best because I think Yusir Abdul is going to be one of the best players in the ACC. I'm not afraid to say it out loud. If you would have said best player in the country, you could potentially, one of the best defensive players in the country, you could potentially be reaching in the hot take range. That's right. Million percent. I think he would be the best defensive player in the ACC this year. If he's not first team all ACC, something's jacked up. Exactly right, and look, ten sacks is the minimum now, or is the the bar, not the minimum, but he set the bar. I want to see him try to get closer over that. I think the last the the last guy who got over that was Devonte Fields in sixteen. I think he had eleven and a half sacks. So let's go back out there and get some more. And and look, his draft stock is absolutely going up, and another chance to do the Senior Bowl and stuff next year. But just really has the chance to be special and put himself in a, a really good spot. Uh, position I'm most unconfident about or that I have the most doubt about easily is the cornerback group. Uh, you know, obviously I think Catrell Clark is going to be a stud and uh, get back to his ways. The ACL injury is no longer what it was. Um, you know, unfortunately for you, you weren't able to get the, the bright and, and <laughs> fancy technology. Oh, man, just, I, got it. I was just tired of doing that rehab. That stuff hurts, man. I, mean, I know. Man. I'm for it. I, by the time I got off the 50 yard line from the indoor facility and got to the sidelines, my knee had swelled up so much I couldn't rotate it on a bike. Like it, that that injury is just a terrible injury. Yeah, that's you know that sucks. I'm sorry, man. I I would give you one of my knees. Now it may not make you run very fast. In fact, you'll probably be pretty slow. But I would be willing to give you one of my knees so you could get back out there. I don't know, man. I was a four nine guy. You might be able to boost. Oh, no, I'm like a five nine guy. So we're talking <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about game losing speed, not game changing speed. That's what we're talking about. Game losing speed. Uh, but uh, the cornerback group, I think Catrell Clark obviously is the the unquestionable 
leader of the group. You have no doubts about him outside of it. Can he get back to his pre-injury self? But then from there, it's a bunch of question marks. You have Chandler Jones. Can he come back from last year? Um, you know, Trey Franklin was a nice piece. He proved to be uh, a really dynamic um, guy in terms of making plays, but um, is he more of a zone kind of specialist or a, a guy that you can kind of rely on and, and uh, you may be third and long versus, you know, somebody that you need in a tight situation, man to man. Then you have Derek Edwards coming back. Didn't really play much last year. You lose Kenai Walker, uh, but you bring in Jalen. Um, God, I think I got my Jalen's mixed up, but Jalen Alexander is from Duke and he's going to play cornerback. Jaden Williams is the safety. I don't know. I can't remember if I got that right earlier. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of, there's going to be like 19 Jadens on the Jadens and Jalen's on this team. Um, but you bring in these guys who have talent, but again, we're in the same spot we were with what, uh, with Kenai Walker and then last year, can they take the next step and develop? So for me, that's the group and spring, they're going to be picked apart. They're going to get abused all spring because they are easily the weak link on the defense right now. Um, and, and I just really hope that that doesn't set them back. You know, I, I really hope that they can learn and that these guys by the end of spring can feel confident that um, if they get tossed in there against air force or South Florida or some random team that they're not going to just goof up and get shook out of their, their shoes and fall down. Uh, yeah. Or piss down their leg as our as our guy Brandon Clinton says. Uh, yeah. like, we don't want to see anybody pissing down their leg, man. You, you know this this springtime, like we've been harping on this whole podcast, is it's time to hone in on these skills. And I was with Derek Edwards and Kenai Walker and those guys last year. And I mean, you know, I can tell you from experience, day one of spring to the last day of spring, you wouldn't have even you would have been like these are two different players. That doesn't even make sense, you know. And that's a kudos to Coach Brown and those guys and how well, they do coach their defense. Yeah, you might make a stupid play call here and there with a the drop eight and whatnot, and you can have your gripes, but the man is a damn good ball coach with his position. So uh, I definitely, like you said, though, with Chandler, I want to see him mentally be good. I think if Chandler Jones can be a mentally good player, then he'll be fine like out there physically actually doing it. And by mentally, I don't mean, you know, with the plays and stuff. I mean – that mental block, almost like the yips in baseball, where you can't can't throw. I can't find my fastball for anything, or I can't I can't hit a fastball. You know, I don't want that to be. Chandler can't cover a go round on anybody. You know, I, he needs to be. If he's not going to be the starter this year, he needs to be first guy off the bench for us. Now he's got to be a starter, dude. He's got to be. There's no one else. That's the thing. That group is – they're going to go out and they're going to add another guy there, maybe even another uh, guy or two. But he has to start. There's no one else. He's going to get a lot of reps. He's definitely going to be the starting corner for this spring. I can tell you that much. Will he be the guy <laughs> day one? He's number one corner this spring. Like, that's – he's unquestioned number one, and we're all looking at him like, hmm. Well, that certainly is an interesting spot you're in. Hmm. I'm confident with Derek Edwards over there. I – Derek Edwards, you all haven't seen it. I've seen a little bit more of Derek Edwards, and granted, this is practice, and you know, all these guys look like all Americans when they post their practice highlights when they're in the transfer portal and stuff like that. But I mean, Derek Edwards is a smooth football player, and he's also yeah. got great biceps. Man, they posted a picture of him on their Instagram yesterday. He's number zero, right? Made some size. He's, My man's got some killer biceps, and they look – whatever they did from an editing standpoint, kudos to them. I wish somebody would edit my biceps to look like that. <laughs> man, when I tell y'all he's smooth, he's a smooth football player, I, I'm saying that the stuff Derek does almost makes him look like he's not trying. Yeah. It's like an effortless just like – 
it, it doesn't make any sense. And he's a very smooth football player, and he's physical too. Those biceps just ain't there for show. That boy That's right. That's right. So those biceps are going to be a lot more important this spring for you. What's the what's the conf- the, the group that you're least confident in? Uh, I'm going to go with the defensive line just because of how bad those past couple games were. I mean, well, really just the Kentucky game and how much they got abused there. You know, I need more physicality and I need more buying into the defense with this defensive line. I, I mean, I need more pass rush that knows there should never be a linebacker getting up freely or, excuse me, a guard or a center getting up freely to our linebackers. You know, just the little detailed things. Don't be a me guy. Don't be out there trying to make plays. You're a defensive lineman. There's a reason defensive linemen don't have a good time tackles. That's because they're clogging gaps. They're holding up old linemen so the guys behind them can make the play. So D-line's definitely, definitely the group. You know, Tafik Thomas, hopefully – I have high hopes for him. I hope he's a day one guy. Yeah, I don't think he's I don't think he's here for spring, but I, I definitely, you know, assuming he comes in with the right the right uh weight and he's a healthy 315, 320 and not an unhealthy, hopefully he gets a, Yeah, that's right. He play I mean he that he's lost like forty pounds and he's not even on campus yet. I mean Yeah, that's uh that seems to be the difference. Uh, I mean I, the only other size guy we've ever had has been uh Desmond Dumerville. Yeah, Dejmi never really lost that weight. Dejmi yeah. seemed to get – he was injuries all the time too at the same yeah. time. So, you know, you not being able to do some type of cardio, already being a bigger dude hurts that. Exactly so right. Like we're kind of opposite where, you know, yeah. Dejmi was in it to where Tafik's like, I-, I can lose this and still be a good football player. Yeah, and we saw obviously the videos, and we've heard the kind of the folklore of Tafik's basketball career and averaging like thirty points a game. So I mean, the dude can move. Like, there's no doubt about that. But you mentioned the 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 nose tackle position. I mean, uh, you've got Destel, who uh, I think is healthy. I mean, he has been banged up both of the first two years he's been here, on and off. I mean, he's played well. Statistics don't really bear that, but he's played well in what he's been able to kind of you know make some disruption up there. But you bring back Malik Clark. Um, you got Destel. Hopefully, Henry Bryan and Jared Dawson are going to become much more of a factor and and can you know kind of get themselves on the field. But then, the X factor is the guy that everybody is talking about. And when they start talking about this guy, I want some damn credit on this show. I want somebody to be like, you know what? I heard these guys talking about it on the from the Pink Seats podcast. They're right. That's right. Caleb Banks is the guy that everybody is talking about. Matt and I have been freaking talking about this dude. We'll give it to y'all two. Y'all two have been talking about Caleb for a long time. We were talking about Caleb playing last year, and here everybody uh-huh. is. Yeah, he's up to 305. He's 6'6". Six, six. This dude is Sean Oakman size. Like, I mean, this dude has the potential to be just a chiseled freak by the time it's all said and done. And, uh, you know, he's got a chance to make some, some serious noise if he can be what Scott Satterfield called consistent. Right now, he's still trying to learn. You know, it's his real – his redshirt freshman year, he's going to play this year. So you're kind of probably going at spring a little bit differently maybe than where you were last year. You talked about the start to finish. Year two is a completely different story. If Caleb Banks can get out there and you can put a lineup out there that's him at nose, Ashton Gelati at, at one of the ends, Yaya Diaby is one of the ends, and then you're rushing Monty and, and uh, Yasirin. All of a sudden, dude, that's a legitimate pass rush. It, no doubt. I mean, that, that – <laughs> I mean, that, that sounds real pretty right there. If we can get all of them clicking at the same time, I mean, just sign me up for more you see here. There's no yeah, reason right. you see here to be dropping in the flats anymore. 
I mean, I get that you have to do that from time to time with your defense, but I mean, that, that, sorry, that's a little gripe of mine. I, I don't know. I just, I, I love seeing you see a rush with football. That's, that's the group I'm low on, but at the same time, I, I can see them making huge strides. And yeah. And look, be a part of it. the football side of me, you know, I, I'm not obviously as well versed as you, but you know, I, how often is he really dropping into coverage? Like, I don't, not to, to like, Make this yeah, a talking point here. Yeah, a fair amount. I mean, he does play outside linebacker. Right, which in, in – But, I mean, you got to think. You're not just going to send Yassir every play because that tackle is going to kick set. He's going to kick set and be able to block Yassir. So, having that disguise of is he coming right here or is this end going to loop around and I'm going to have another guy shooting my gap that I'm going to have to work with. So, I mean, but, yeah, there's pros and cons with it, but I, I'd like to see us lean significantly heavier on look, the if you If you put Yasir Abdullah at safety, I'm pretty sure he's still going to be just as good. If you put him at corner, I think he might be slower than a lot of the wide receivers, but I'm sure he'd figure it out. Defensive yeah. end, defensive line. You could literally play him at any position. <laughs> and yet here, Stu, if Stu Holt was still here, he might probably put Yasir back there to return punts. Back on Caleb. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I can't ever let that go. But back on Caleb, I mean, it's it's like like you say, consistency and that redshirt freshman year, you take a huge step because you're not learning so much. Yeah, I hope they're and I hope they're hard on him, man. I hope they're really oh. pushing him. If you're playing for Coach Ivy, you best believe he's hard. That's a hard man to. I mean, he's rah rah getting your face and stuff like that. But I mean, he's a hard man to play for. They're all hard coaches to play for. They're college yeah. football. Caleb Banks just in that situation, Mark Ivy oversteps and he just turns into the guy from uh, the longest yard, the big guy, and he just picks him up. And he, I sorry, I broke the did your nose. Uh, <laughs> he just doesn't know how big he is. I guess what I'm trying to get at. Um, all right, let's do this. Let's let's wrap up the show with the three players that you are watching. Uh, the most important, most whatever you want to classify. Your three guys from the defensive end. I'll go first here. Um, I mentioned Ben Perry. I think he's super important because he can push Marvin Dallas and he can provide a, just a whole another layer of athleticism there. I think his development is crucial. You need Ben Perry in the fold this year. You cannot afford to have uh, – Cam Wilson has been hurt and he's dealt with you know playing behind you, Sir Abdullah, but you can't have two years in a row your top guy not making an impact. And that's, mm-hmm. that's where I am with Ben Perry. I need him this year. Uh, number two, Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones is the man – at the corner position right now. He is the guy that they are looking for to be consistent, to lead the way and make the plays. No more putting him at safety. No more moving him around. Let's get the man comfortable in the corner position and get him back to where he was the two years prior, where uh, even as a freshman, he looked like a, a, he could be a stud. I mean, he he is a big he is a big guy. You talk about biceps, man. Chandler Jones is a is a muscular fella. Like he he's got a football body. Like you know what I'm saying. Like and last year he just didn't play like it. Uh, I, I I agree with you. I don't know what it uh, what it was with Chandler, but you know it might have been like a yips situation. Like I was talking, and this spring is going to just be about getting him right back on that right track because the kid can play ball. I mean, we've all seen him make plays. You just got to get consistent with your game. Can I rely on you on the field? You know, it, are, are you going to cost me my job? You know. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm going to go number three. I think you could go in a number of different directions here. I'll be curious to see what you say. But I'm going to go with Des Tell because I think right now he's the guy you pencil in as your day one nose tackle. I think Caleb Banks is going to potentially in long term supplant him. 
as the the starting nose tackle by season end because he just provides so much upside with that size at 6'6", 6'7", 305. But Destel is a guy who has put in the work. He's not been able to stay healthy, assuming he's healthy this year. And I can't quite recall whether or not they've mentioned him in the injuries uh, report with some of the other guys. But Destel is on the field. You best believe he is the most talented nose tackle that they have outside of Caleb Banks. He's the most experienced that they have with that talent. I think that if you can get him going, you unlock that position, him, and then Destel, you sprinkle in a little bit of Malik Clark, a little Jared Dawson, you get that nose tackle room a little bit more productive. And again, here we are back to this whole, we've got a pass rush situation going on. God, Malik Clark is still there. Bro, I swear, man, him and Gigi and Jared Goldwire, you could tell me they all came in the same year and I would believe you. I, Malik is – He was like, like a redshirt sophomore. No. I think he's had – like school-wise, I believe he is just – he's in Malik Cunningham's class. He's listed, I think, as a redshirt junior. So that would mean he- – <laughs> Poor guy. Poor guy's had so many injuries, man. I remember he's up on that hill, and he's on one of those knee scooters, and one of the tires got flat. <laughs> oh my poor my God, dude! Come on, man. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right, in the show. Give me your list right here. You're gonna you're gonna send us off into to 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 the golden uh, gates that await us. Uh, that is the end of the show. I, I'm gonna go with number one, Monty Montgomery. Monty's my guy to watch in the spring. Yes. You won't be seeing a lot of him partaking maybe on the field or things like that. You're going to see him in the individual drills. But I want to see him be more of a vocal leader. Keep stepping up. Keep getting these guys behind us. So when if we do get in a bind to where we have multiple guys hurt, they know what to do. Take that on yourself as the captain of the defense, as the captain of this football team, to teach these younger guys. Yeah. Because the foundation's laid. Now you have to continue to build that house. So he, he's my number one. Obviously, we know we're getting out of him talent-wise. He's a damn good football player, going to be a hell of an uh, inside rusher for us, and he's going to make a lot of plays. But I want to see him get even more vocal than what he already is, as I know Monty. So my number two, I'm sticking with the inside linebackers. I'm going to go with Momo. Is that his name? Muhammad, so, but I, I think he's going to go. It seems like his nickname is Momo. Momo? Okay, so Momo's filling a – what, four-year starter in C.J. Avery's spot? And C.J., yeah. yes, we can all gripe about him not being able to pass, uh, drop back in pass coverage. He has his limitations and whatnot. But you're still filling a four-year starter spot. He was a four-year starter for a reason. That's because he was consistent. He did his job. He knew what other people were supposed to be doing. I want to see if Momo can be that same thing that C.J. is, where he knows where everybody's going. He knows what he's doing. He is, you know, He knows the defense like it's the back of his damn hand. But I want to see him be more athletic, more agile, make more plays than CJ. CJ wasn't really a flashy player. He, you know, have a big hit here, have a big hit there, but it was just more making tackles. I want to see Momo be a big play guy, just like Monty. There's no reason we shouldn't have two big play guys right there on the inside. My number three, I've already talked about him on the show, Derek Edwards. Derek Edwards, you all, I believe is going to be taking a lot of big strides going into this spring. Starting, uh, what, three days ago, whenever they started, you know, to the end, I think Derek is going to be the best corner out of the spring. I think he'll do better than Chandler, and Trey obviously isn't going to participate at the full speed. But I think you're going to see a lot of interceptions come out of uh, Agent Zero, as a lot of the guys like to call him on Twitter. 
That's hard. I like it. Having a corner number zero, that's hard. That is that is hard. hard. <laughs> he needs to rock a super dark visor and arm sleeves, like just to the the. I don't know yeah. why, but right. my one of my my preferences. If I was a football player, I wouldn't wear the basketball sleeve. I'd wear the sleeve that goes from the wrist to the elbow on both arms. I don't know why that looks badass. Makes your arms look bigger. It cuts off a little blood circulation right there. Bang. Yeah. See, look. That's what I need. I need to make my arms look a little bit bigger. Here's another gripe for you. Here's a real, here's something I don't like. And we're going to end the show after this football players who don't wear anything on their arm. You look so little, like a little kid. You got to wear something like an armband, a little elbow. Or get tatted. Yeah. Or get tatted. But if you walk out there with bare arms all the way down, no gloves, you look like you're literally playing peewee football. I just can't stand it. Now my go-to would be taped wrist with nothing on it. And no gloves, because like if you're not gonna wear anything on your arms, you gotta have tape wrist up, you know, up a little bit higher. Not just you know you got your wrist tape for you know wrist stability. Then you got your little flag tape up up more towards the top where it gets a little bit higher. Where it's like, is that really helping your wrist being up that high? <laughs> yeah, no, it just looks good. It I looks play good. So I'm not gonna wear gloves a lot of times. I mean, yeah, you're gonna see some pictures of me in gloves because I mean they're free. <laughs> the real reason the real reason you wore gloves was because they're free that's right breaking news here folks all right that's going to wrap it up here on from the pink seats podcast jacob lane vincent lacoco thank you guys so much for tuning in be sure to give the show a follow on twitter at pink seats pod be sure to follow this guy at vincent lacoco uh, you can follow me at jacob lane 08 you can see it right here uh and maybe this video will be published if not i'm just over here pointing at my name uh but that's uh, where you can follow me and then of course our resident capital j journalist uh, i'll give him the capital because tonight he's working on being a journalist other nights he's just whatever he's here but matt mcgavick follow him at matt underscore mcgavick and hey while i've got you here be sure to tune into the third and central podcast the other show that matt hosts covering the Louisville baseball program. That season is now underway. New episode coming next week. And stay tuned, man. Next week's the week. Woo! Big week. Big week. I can't wait. I can't wait. I haven't. We had a good sit-down talk before I left, and that was probably the last long conversation I had with him. Hopefully we can see a little bit of what I got to see every day and the football facilities brought out a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that that will be the case. I'm excited to to just get to talk football with the head coach. Uh, the the program that we cover gives us a good opportunity here to really dig in and uh, definitely going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you tune in next week to the show. And, uh, and maybe this week we'll give you a little bit of surprise, a little two-for-one action. You'll get a little preview, a little appetizer, Reggie Bonifon. Sit down, talk about Notre Dame. We're going to talk about the football days back at Trinity. We're going to talk about all the things. Maybe you may get a little Cam Newton story out of him. Who knows, man? The guy has has stared the lion in the face, and the lion is Lamar Jackson, and he walked away victorious. That's a hell of a story to tell. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Not very many people have beaten Lamar Jackson in a quarterback competition. Reggie Bonifon, that would be at the top of my resume if I was Reggie Bonifon. I mean, I, I don't really count Joe Flacco beating him out. As no, it doesn't a, count. It doesn't count. No, that doesn't count. Reggie Bonifant is the last person to beat him in that quarterback competition. Bingo. We're going to get the answers to that next week. We'll catch you then. Go Cards. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.